Hi, this is Dan from Oceanside. You must have run out of podcasts because you're currently listening to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show, this 270th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, lovely and talented, scholarly, dedicated co-host, Brittany Page. Here we are. Yeah. It's almost time for President Donald Trump. <laughs> what a bummer. What a sad... <laughs> I mean, seriously, we were just watching CNN, mm-hmm. and... They're cutting away from the Mnuchin, the Steve Mnuchin confirmation hearings, the Treasury Secretary confirmation hearings. Which is pretty important. To to cut away from that to go to showing Donald Trump and the just this gaggle of idiots get off a plane. Mm-hmm. CNN, what are you doing? And then narrating as they walk down oh, the plane. Oh, there's, there's Melania. It sounded like a red carpet commentary, the it, way that they were talking about absolutely it. Absolutely it did. Yeah. I w- wonder what dress she's wearing. It was kind of awkward. It was weird. Not an important thing. Not important enough to cut away from the Treasury Secretary and the important questions that were being asked by Sherrod Brown. Especially since it was kind of contentious at that at that time when they cut away. A yeah, very he's, contentious questioning. He's woefully unprepared for that process. Yeah. I mean, it's confirmation hearings are they're gonna be contentious. They they have a they have a, a system in place. They ask the questions, they're getting their questions on the record. It's not necessarily a giving you an opportunity to answer in the in the exact manner that you'd like to answer. Anyway, we're getting kind of fucking carried away here. But welcome to the show, everybody. We appreciate you joining us. Today, that is what we're going to deal with, is a lot of the confirmation hearings and the questions that have been asked up to this point, some of the the contentious moments and a couple that are funny but still very serious. Uh, But before we do, we were going to get to this last week, but just the shows have been so action-packed and so full that we haven't been able to to add stuff in. And this, I want to play, is a voicemail. Typically, at the beginning of the show, for those of you who are just joining us, we do kind of an intro and, you know, give you a a taste of Brittany and I and our stupid lives or whatever. Kind of humanizes us, although I don't know that we need to be humanized because we're both humans and everything. But I am a former United States Marine. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. (laughs) And I I get my health care through the VA. Yes, it's great. And about seven or eight months ago, I fucked up my neck. Yeah. Like something was going on. It was not good. Yes. And it was a whole fiasco getting an appointment from the Veterans Administration. Like a lot of phone calls back and forth. I finally go in. It was just a shit show. It always is. It was a nightmare. You could go back to those episodes and revisit that because I'm sure we talked about it at length. We did. But I got a voicemail the other day. Keep in mind, this was eight months ago that this happened. I tell you what, let's just let's just hit the voicemail from the local Long Beach VA Medical Center. Uh, this message regarding Jesse Dalmore to the VA Medical Center in Long Beach just following up from a consult submitted last year, June, regarding your neck pain. We're just following up to see if you were ever seen through Veterans Choice, and if not, if you would like to be seen here in our clinic at the VA Long Beach Hospital. Uh, please give me a call back if you wish to schedule this appointment. Number is 562 826 8000 my extension is again my number is 562 826 thank you so again he's saying i'm calling about this situation that occurred in june and he's yeah. calling in january yes okay he even said last year well, i'm just following up to make sure yeah that you were seen <laughs> Really? And if not, hey, would you like to, to be seen here at the Long Beach 
VA Medical Center, the hospital, the yeah. VA hospital in, in Long Beach, California. So, you know, all those reports of veterans dying because they can't get right. health care. Absolutely. And then he makes this phone call and he's saying those words. They, and they they didn't. He he's calling having no knowledge of the the, the situation that it was mm-hmm. neck. I mean, it was a. It was a bad deal. You couldn't move your neck. Yeah, the neck pain. I mean, we delayed several shows mm-hmm. because I was it was I was fucked. Right. And they're just now following up to find out, hey, did you ever get that looked at? Not even knowing that, yeah, seven months ago, I eventually got it looked at. I, I don't know. I just, this is a problem. And listen, mine was just neck pain and it was serious and I thought there might be something more at play. There wasn't, though. They gave me a shot in the ass, and uh, over the course of the next week, because of the the steroids or whatever they gave me, it went away. But this guy doesn't know that. The right. VA in Long Beach doesn't know that. Right. The, the outpatient clinic here in Santa Ana doesn't know that. All they know, it was some kind of a fucking tumor or something, and they're calling to follow up eight months later. Mm-hmm. Nah, I don't want to get fired, fired up. <laughs> I, w- I really want to save it for the rest of the show. But, I mean, this is not a traditional intro topic for us, but this this is still a problem. The VA is neglecting veterans all across the country with serious issues, not just neck pain. Right. Anyway, like I said, I... Well, and this is just a little a little taste of what veterans go through. For sure. All over the country, and... And like you're saying, if it is a more serious issue, they don't discriminate. I mean, they're doing this to everybody. Right. They even, don't know whether it's serious. Even if someone has a serious issue, yeah. there are people that are dying because yeah. they cannot be seen. For sure. And this is a major problem. So this is something that we for sure laughed at. We laughed our asses off that really, ju- now you're calling back to check up. Now you're calling back to just to follow up eight months later. But it's... It's not just a laughing matter. I mean, it's it's comical because of the absurdity of it, but it's serious. So anyway, we thought that we would share that with you because we found it amusing. <laughs> Let's get to some voicemails. We have three voicemails and a couple of emails to read before we move on to the confirmation hearings. And uh, we'll just get right to them. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Casey. I'm uh, in Montgomery, Alabama originally from Kentucky, you know, I used to sit here and think, oh, man, I'm really glad I'm out of that shit state, Kentucky, after that fucking moron Matt Bevin takes over and allows Ken Ham to build a life-size Noah's Ark in a state where, like, I don't know, 49% or so children live in poverty, uh, and that money could have went towards programs to help them. But now I live in a country with fucking like-minded idiots like our orange-faced Fuhrer, fucking Donald Trump, that joke. Uh, I don't understand how, you know, the people that they used to say Obama's not from this country and all this other shit, and used to sit there and do nothing but dogging, calling racial slurs and call Michelle Obama a transvestite and make all these jokes. Now sit and look at us and say, can we get along? Can we, you know, not do this? Can we just accept that he's our president? No. Because I plan to deal out exactly what they've given fucking Obama for the past eight years. So, I don't know. I I don't understand how this this mindset used to work. And I used to be a right-wing Christian kind of Republican type person now I'm an atheist that sits in the middle so don't I don't understand this thought process but uh, maybe you guys can help me understand the way the fucking alt-right is thinking right now uh, kind of new to the show but I love the show Brittany is not the best part but she's pretty good Jesse's the best part <laughs> we don't have a drop for that but Listen, Casey, I'm with you. I've been long frustrated by the Donald Trump surrogates. And even even on YouTube, I get this all the time, comments about 
Hillary lost, Donald Trump won, get over it. We need to move on and accept that he's the president and show him, and this comes from Kellyanne Conway a lot, show him the respect that he deserves. Right, but I think there's a difference between what Casey is saying. Casey, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not important since he thinks you're the best part, so. <laughs> um <laughs> He said that that he's going to or he wants to kind of return the treatment to Republicans that Republicans gave to Obama. Yeah. And I don't even think it's necessarily about that. I think that the treatment of criticizing Donald Trump is very much warranted here. Yeah, totally justified. But the treatment that Obama received was above and beyond what is what was necessary. And there's there's a video that I saw. And it's just this compilation of hatred. I mean, just unbelievable hatred toward Barack Obama. President Obama did not. I'm not president. The Manchurian candidate couldn't destroy us faster. So I shamelessly say, no, I want him to fail. Headed towards socialism, fascism. They're marching us towards 1984. Socialism. Socialist. Socialist. Socialism would be a real step up. When are we going to wake up and start fighting the fascism? These guys are uh, Stalinist. Who's the communist? Obama. Welcome to the USSA. We have a chapter in here, is Obama a socialist? We have a president and a Bolshevik. Democratic Congress. It'd be like Hitler playing golf with Netanyahu. I feel like we are talking to the Germans after um, Hitler comes to power. This is what Hitler did with the SS. They're the enemy. Who's the enemy? Uh, Obama! There's just too many people who are not going to vote for a black candidate, but uh, especially a black angry candidate. Who has a deep-seated hatred for white people. This guy is, I believe, a racist. We have to bend over, grab the ankles, bend over forward, backward, whichever. Because his father was black, because this is the first black president. He would be impeached if he weren't America's first black president. I think we're getting close to a high crime and misdemeanor. I believe he's the most lawless president in modern times. Former President Richard Nixon, what he did was child's play compared to the range of corruption. Why wouldn't we impeach this president for not protecting and defending Americans in the bloodbath known as Benghazi? Pretty much every day has been an impeachable offense. Can you just show us the birth certificate? This has clearly been photocopied from a book. You see that? It kind of folds back. Like almost like the binding of a book. Fist bump, a pound, a terrorist fist jab. And we have a president who is aligned with the jihad force. You're declaring war on this country with a bunch of jihadis you brought in. You did it, you son of a bitch. I believe that he is a Muslim. He's not a Muslim. Well, we don't. Well, no, we do know. How many do you believe that here? How many believe I do think it's quite possible he is Muslim, even though he says he is Christian. I just love my country. <laughs> it's not even Marxism. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Older than 1848. It was. Um... <sighs> so Hitler comparisons, the quote that I hope he fails. Right. That's Rush Limbaugh. Would be impeached if he wasn't the first black president. Yeah. And that's not to mention all of the I mean, they didn't include in there the many 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 clips that they could have from donald trump accusing president obama of not being an american right right and glenn beck was in that clip a lot but the thing about glenn beck is that he's now come around yeah and said i used to behave irrationally i was not thinking clearly yeah those were not legitimate criticisms you know what i what i respect about glenn beck and look, I've I've long talked about that I have a soft spot for the guy. I think he's I think he's a genuine character. He gets a little frantic and freaked out sometimes. But I think he's an earnest guy. And I think he he I think he's a loving guy. A lot of people are going to disagree with me and that's that's okay. But Glenn Beck didn't wait until Hillary Clinton got elected to say, "Oh, I'm sorry that I did all that." The Republicans won. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to come out and say, look, I was fucking wrong. I I, I was a, a maniac about this. Completely unjustified. Right. He doesn't have to do that because Donald Trump won. Mm-hmm. He's choosing to do so, which for me, it shows a lot of character. Right. So, well, and he is not a Donald Trump supporter, but... no. The Republicans, his side, they right. did win. He's still a wild conservative. Right. He still, I'm sure, holds all kinds of the same views about Woodrow Wilson and the progressivism of the 19, you know, the early uh, 20th century. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we're with you, Casey. It's very frustrating. And I would say this, though, I would caution you. 
don't just oppose to oppose. Oppose where it's absolutely justified. Mm -hmm. Because, look, we're hearing now that Donald Trump might be leaning toward a single-payer health care system. Don't oppose that. That would be that would be solid. That would be moves in the right direction. And even if he has to drag the Republican Party kicking and screaming to a single payer, that is far better than what we have with Obamacare. Because, you know, with premiums going crazy, I'd like to see Donald Trump face the political fallout of putting the health insurance business out of out of business, mm-hmm. the, the industry out mm-hmm. of business. We'll see what happens, but let's let's save our criticism to what when it's justified, right? Because we don't want a clip of Democrats, yeah, <laughs> in four years or in eight years of just unnecessary lunacy. Well, for me, it would be a waste of time anyway because there's so much to criticize Donald Trump about, right? That's legitimate. Yeah, he's a fucking racist, and I. I don't even mince words about it anymore. I'm tired of saying, oh, the things that were racist that he said. He's been busted putting a C on black people's rental applications and then subsequently not renting to them because they're black. Calling a federal judge who was born in Indiana, an American, calling him a Mexican who's not able to do his job because he's a Mexican. That's that's racist. Donald Trump is a racist. Well, you know, his cabinet is the first with no Latinos since Ronald Reagan. Right. That's exactly right. Which that in and of itself doesn't indicate that he's a racist, but it sure piles on to the long list of items that point to a racist predilection. His cabinet won't have a Democrat, just three women, one African-American man and no Latinos. Right. A lot of diversity. Yeah, super, super diverse. Anyway, thanks for the call, Casey. We appreciate it very much. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. I'll try to make it quicker this time. I go by Senior Ham on Twitter uh, just for numerous reasons. Don't want to say my real name. However, I'm a fellow Orange County resident. I listen to the podcast while I'm sitting here in traffic, laughing my ass off at Jesse's whole uh, banjo thing. Anyways. What I want to say quickly absolutely pisses me off that people such as Kellyanne Conway and Donald Trump can use their own platform to identify facts, which aren't true. So they aren't facts. They just spout this like, oh, don't believe the mainstream media. Fucking pisses me off. Fucking livid about that. The reason is I use facts and data all the time. I use it to do various things at work. I use it to do analysis. I use it to do all sorts of shit. And these people come along and say, oh, that shit doesn't matter. Here's the truth. Believe us. It takes you more because I get on these little Facebook rants, and these fuckers don't understand that facts and data outweigh their little opinions. That pisses me off. You can't argue with these fuckers because they just don't are like, hey, uh, does it matter because that's mainstream media? Where does mainstream media bullshit come from? Yes, it's mainstream media. Yes, it's journalism. Yes, it's facts. Yes, it's study. Educate yourself, you dumb shit. Anyways, awesome podcast. Jesse, you got a beard. I got a beard. So you're the best part. Brittany, though, fucking hilarious. Keep on going, guys. Thanks. I think he's kind of riled up. More, Also more <laughs> creepy beard talk. Yeah, you love that. I don't like that. You love it. <laughs> it's your favorite thing. The ability to grow hair out of one's face does not make us have any commonality other than the fact that... You're both men. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listen, I'm with you. I mean, I still, obviously, I've voiced a lot of my opinion about Kellyanne Conway and the circus-likes atmosphere of the, you know, the three-ring circus of lies. She's not even ashamed. I mean, she just, she's... Ugh, what are you going to do? Well, and there's that clip going around when she wasn't working for Donald Trump and yeah. she was being interviewed on on the shows. The shows. <laughs> As Donald Trump would say. And I think that was Jeb Bush, right? The Sunday shows or something? No, he Donald Trump said he gets his he gets his information from the shows. Oh. Yeah. So and Jeb Bush made fun of him at a debate. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So 
she was on the shows defending or I'm sorry, going up against Donald Trump saying, well, where are his tax returns? I guess we'll never see them. <laughs> right, right. That's when she worked for Ted Cruz. Right. And now she works for Donald Trump. She's like, no one needs to see them. Right. No one needs to see Liar. them. Liar. Yeah. No soul. Yeah. No shame. Well, it's, no dignity. It's disturbing. So yeah. we have a, a voicemail about this issue, too, about Kellyanne Conway. An email. An email. Sorry. Say, say that again. So we have an email about Kellyanne Conway Good. as well. Good. I think that she <laughs> stirs up a lot of a lot of feelings. Yeah, I'm not the only one. That's a that's a good sign. Hey guys, hope you're well. Listening to your discussion about Kellyanne Conway reminded me of a little thing that had been seemingly out of place since the election. Admits thinking that KAC seemed really willing to lie, I remembered one instance where she oddly eschewed one certain lie in one of the very first post-election talking points. That was that Hillary Clinton had lost, quote-unquote lost, because she was an extremely weak candidate. Don't get me wrong, I think that's a big enough lie that it can't even be veiled behind the entitlement to one's opinion, but why that lie? If there was a notion driving Trump voters, it wasn't that his opponent was weak, right? After all, if you think someone is weak, you probably don't feel the need to chant lock her up while hiding at a Trump rally from her liberal cabal. (laughs) If there was a lie that fueled an anti-Clinton vote, it was that she was a dishonest, unrepentant, genuine criminal. So what does it mean that Kellyanne Conway and the rest of the transition team didn't come out immediately saying, well, I mean, she was a criminal. She deserved to be locked up. That's why she lost. Right. Was it perhaps in deference to Trump's sudden change of heart about trying to prosecute her? Or would that be putting the cart before the horse and they've known all along that would be a losing battle for them, which would blow the lid off the can of untruths they rode to victory, quote unquote, victory. Now that she's less a public figure, does that mean they could be more vulnerable to slander charges? Anyway, if you guys end up dealing with any Trump fans, I hope you'll put the question to them of why his whole team isn't out there shouting, lock her up from the rooftops anymore, and indeed why he is going to appear alongside such a guilty criminal at the inauguration. Cheers, guys. David. Listen, David, I... It bothers me a lot that the media has failed in this particular way, that when he's out on the the victory tour and giving speeches and he goes, oh, that was just politics, though. Right, folks? I mean, oh, really, that was just for the campaign. When he says things like that and he just he, he explains away a lot of the wild rhetoric that he was using on the campaign trail by saying, oh, but that was just politics. Right. The media needs to latch onto that and not let it go. Right, because his whole thing was, I'm not a politician, right? Everyone loves him because he's not a politician. He, he tells it like he sees it. But then he's admitting, no, I was just acting like a politician. I was just saying things right. to be inflammatory. And... I'm just whipping all of you hillbillies up into a frenzy. Right. I mean, I didn't actually mean that stuff. I was just saying it to get everybody excited. Right. And maybe it's because they're so goddamn embarrassed that they have to like, oh, no, we knew that was just a joke. But, you know, uh, no, no, you didn't. Yeah, you did not. We we watched the rallies. Yeah. Yee-haw! Donald Trump, we love that bitch up. <laughs> Hillary bitches. Yee-haw! Well, and when we went to the Trump rally, there was that guy there, remember, who kept screaming Hillary for prison in the Hillary! way that... For prison! Yeah. Over and over and over. I... And we were hundreds and hundreds of feet away from him, and you could hear him... All those yards away, still screaming like an idiot. Yes. So I think that people genuinely believed it. Well, listen, uh, to the question that he hopes that we bump into some Hillary support or some Trump supporters and talk to, tomorrow we're going to be in Los Angeles at the rally for reason or rally for resistance or whatever it's called. Right and early. And I do hope that there's some pro-Donald Trump people because I'd love to get a mic in front of them mm-hmm. and get these pointed questions to them. Right. Because, you know, typically, even when we had that Nestor Moto kid on, uh, when I would play the clips, he was right here in front of me, in studio. And I would play the clips, and like, what about this? This is racist. What about this? This is homophobic. What about this? This is misogynistic. He would shift in his chair and laugh uncomfortably. Mm Mm-hmm. And listen, I always want to have an air of, of, of decency and, and even-handedness and being cordial. But uh, I should have went. I should have wrote him harder on those questions and made it more uncomfortable for him. 
because he doesn't represent, he nor his candidate represent the liberty-loving Republicans, quote-unquote, that we've grown so fond of, of, of knowing. I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek because clearly that's not the Republican Party anymore. They don't care about liberty. They don't care about protecting the rights of Americans. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I could go on and on, but thanks for, the, thanks for the email, David. We appreciate it very much. So we have another email from Raina. All right. Hey, Brittany and Jesse. I just wanted to comment on the Rex Tillerson confirmation hearing, particularly the point at which he was asked by Senator Marco Rubio if he would describe Vladimir Putin as a war criminal. Mr. Tillerson attempted to elaborate on his answer and ultimately concluded with the quote, these things happen. As Jesse has stated on numerous occasions, we all have the commonality of language, and since Mr. Tillerson was elevated to the role of CEO for Exxon and selected as Donald Trump's Secretary of State, I'm going to assume that at the very least, he knows and understands the definition of words. I could be mistaken, but I'm assuming. First, the answer to the question as to whether or not Vladimir Putin is a war criminal does not require explanation, elaboration, thesis, or dissertation. This is a closed-ended question requiring only a yes or no response. And since Mr. Tillerson was incapable, I will answer for him. When asked if Vladimir Putin is a war criminal, the only acceptable and appropriate answer is hell motherfucking yes. (laughs) Putin's atrocities and crimes are too numerous to mention. He is a murderer and a thug. Anyone in our government or any other person who says otherwise is a liar and a coward. Anyone that supports or aligns themselves with such a heinous individual is worse. Love the show. Brittany, you're the best. Jesse, I guess you're cool, too. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I agree 100%. Well, first of all, it goes without saying that I think that Donald excuse me, a little Freudian slip there, that Vladimir Putin is a war criminal, is a thug, is a murderer of dissenters and activists and journalists who oppose him. He is a monster. He is no one who should be considered a friend to the United States. He is a leader of a country which the, the, Donald, the, the incoming Donald Trump administration has made it very clear they want to be on friendly terms with we're going to get to rubio's questioning of tillerson but before we do we have one final voicemail hi jesse me and Brittany. this is still from cincinnati um i'm really interested in running for congress in 2018 what advice would you give to someone who wants to run that is completely outside of the current system someone who's never been in political office has no connections what advice can you give me um, and the listeners are the best part with Brittany as a close second. And, and then <laughs> I think the listeners are the best part. Mm-hmm, for sure. And then Brittany and then, eh, and maybe Jesse. I, w- I would give you this advice. If you're going to run, I, unfortunately, the system uh, under which we, we reside is a two-party system. Or a party system. But you're going to have to get involved in whatever party you decide to to align yourself with. Let's say you, you're a Democrat. I think the chances are good that you're a Democrat if you're listening to the show. We do have some outside opinions who listen. Um, but I, I think it's safe to assume. You want to get involved in your local party. And you want to get involved and try to reach the level of like a precinct committeeman. That you're an organizer. You you get the vote out. You get the information out to your local party people. You get a name for yourself. And then you decide that you're going to run for some local office. You're not going to run and just, unless you have cash and a name, you're not really going to make it to, to just run for office and run for Congress, let's say. You want to run for a lower, more local, probably party-affiliated job. And I mean like a job within the party. Right, because it seems like the most important part is being known. That's right. Having connections. That's right. And that's how you build those connections is by running for a a position within the party, your local party, and gaining the trust of the party stalwarts, of the party, you know, regulars, Mm -hmm. and then up through the ranks until you run for elected public office. Right. That's what I would do. But you, you definitely have to get involved right away to get your name out there and run for 
for office within the within the party structure. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really that's the, that's the way. There's no secret sauce or secret recipe. It's uh it's necessary to be involved in the party because it's a money game. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. So. Right. And I think anything that gets your name out there probably gets your name out there and associated with the party and what you're wanting to do. Yes. Get on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that. You, well, you want, you, you know, you're amplifying your name and your voice. Right. It's good. So thanks, Phil. Thanks, Raina. We appreciate it. If you too would like to sound off, communicate with the show, 657 464 7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. That is how you communicate with the show, and we would love to hear from you. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget, and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. Gary. Gary. Gary, our latest PayPal supporter. Awesome. Thank you so much for your contribution. We really appreciate it, and we are thankful for you. We are thankful for all of our PayPal and Patreon supporters and those of you who have purchased mugs or stickers from dollamore.com slash shop. Awesome. We hope you're enjoying them. And when you get them, please take a picture. Send us. We just sent one to Afghanistan. Yes. Very excited about that. We've sent them everywhere, actually. I was thinking of writing down all the locations we've sent the mugs. I still want to get a map for this wall <laughs> yeah. in the new studio space yeah. and have a, a push pin into each individual uh, donation, every supporter. I think that would be awesome, and we could you know, update it as, as uh, time goes on. Right. Anyway, thanks for the support. Uh, we do only have a few more mugs before we order the next batch. If you'd like to get in on that, it's dollamore.com slash shop. Go do it. Dollamocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, as Raina mentioned, and as we've been talking about, we've been pushing this this segment for several days because there's just been so much going on. We haven't been able to get to it and get to it appropriately. I wanna I wanna give it the 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 due time, so we give the audience the the sufficient information. I didn't want to gloss over it, but like Raina, the email. Like Raina said, talking, we're going to start with Tillerson. And I have two different clips of two different senators grilling him. One is a Republican grilling him. And the other one, you know, clearly it's not unexpected that a Democrat would. The first one is that very same interaction that Raina was talking about in the email between Senator Marco Rubio of Florida and Tillerson. Let me ask you this question. Is Vladimir Putin a war criminal? I would not use that term. Well, let me describe the situation in Aleppo, and perhaps that will help you reach that conclusion. Uh, In Aleppo, Mr. Putin has directed his military to conduct a devastating campaign. He's targeted schools, markets, not just assisted the Syrians in doing it. His military has targeted schools and markets and other civilian infrastructure. It's resulted in the death of thousands of civilians. This is not the first time Mr. Putin is involved in campaigns of this kind. Back when he was just appointed prime minister before he was elected, and uh, I'm sure you're aware of that period of time, um, there was a series of bombings, and they blamed it on the Chechens. And Mr. Putin personally said that he would punish them, and so he ordered the Air Force to bomb the Chechen capital of Grozny. They used Scud missiles to hit hospitals, the city's main outdoor market, packed with shoppers. 137 people died instantly. They used thermobaric and fuel-air explosive bombs. These are the bombs that ignite and they burn the air breathed in by people who are hiding in basements. They use cluster munitions. He used battlefield weapons against civilians. And when it was all said and done, an estimated 300,000 civilians were killed, and the city was completely destroyed. By the way, there's credible body of reporting, open source and other, that this was all, all those bombings were part of a black flag operation on the part of the FSB. And if you want to know the motivation, here's what it is. Putin's approval ratings before the attacks against the Chechens was at 31 percent. By mid-August of that year, it was at 78 percent in just three months. So 
based on all this information and what's publicly in the record about what's happened in Aleppo and the Russian military, you are still not prepared to say that Vladimir Putin and his military have violated the rules of war and have conducted war crimes in Aleppo. Now, those are very, very serious uh, charges to make, and I would want to have much more information before reaching a conclusion. I understand there is a body of record in the public domain. I'm sure there's a body of record in the classified domain. And I think in order, in order to deal with a serious question like this, Chilson, the, uh, I would want to be, in the public domain. Want to be the videos and the pictures are there. Fully informed before advising the president. Well, I encourage you. There's so much There is so much information out there about what's happened in Aleppo, leaving the Chechen issue aside. What happened there is clearly documented as well. There's so much information out there. It should not be hard to say that Vladimir Putin's military has conducted war crimes in Aleppo because it is never acceptable. You would agree for a military to specifically target civilians, which is what's happened there through the Russian military. And, uh, you know, I find it discouraging, your inability to, to cite that, uh, which I think is globally accepted. So these confirmation hearings have been equally as frustrating as watching news interviews with the Trump transition team. Yes. Because the these individuals are allowed to give responses that don't make any sense or that you, you try don't. to ask for them to elaborate and they don't. Yeah, they don't correlate to the question asked. Yeah, so he's saying, well, I would need more information. <laughs> I would need to look at the classified record in addition to the public record. Is the classified record going to say, hey, everything that Marco Rubio just told you is actually not true? Right, right. I mean, wh- why do you need to look at the classified record? You were just told. That's you right. were just told. But you can't make a decision because you have your little medal of friendship in your pocket. That is the most disconcerting thing about this. Is that he does have his medal of friendship given to him, awarded to him by Vladimir Putin. So it's very difficult for him to sit there under the scrutiny of questions from senators and say that the war criminal Vladimir Putin is just that. Right, and how? what additional information do you need? What is the additional is information none. that you require? We know. We know what we know. We know what, what happened. The classified information isn't going to be any more rosy a picture of Vladimir Putin than the public record. In fact, it'll probably be worse. Right. Because they have more detail about just what a monster he is. Mm-hmm. There are different schools of thought here, though. It could be said, I wouldn't be one to make this argument, but it could be said that Rex Tillerson is just being diplomatic and he is trying to get the job of the U.S. top diplomat. He's trying to be the Secretary of State. I don't make that argument. I think it's an easy answer to give that, yes, he is a war criminal. I'm, I'm setting myself up or preparing myself, let's say, to be very disappointed that Marco Rubio, after grilling this man and pointing out how woefully unprepared he is, he's still going to vote for Tillerson. That would be my bet, that he's going to vote to confirm him as Secretary of State because it's politically expedient for him because Rubio is a coward. Rubio is a traitor to his own political ethos, and that's a bummer. After this last election, Rubio will never have my support, not just because he is of a different party than I am now, but because he he betrayed himself. He betrayed his own self-interest. It's very, very disappointing. Well, the questions continued this time with Bob Menendez from New Jersey asking a lot about the, uh, the lobbying that ExxonMobil did while Tillerson was their CEO. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Tillerson, I, I know uh, that you're new to this, and I know that the chairman was trying to help you out on the question of uh, lobbying on sanctions. You stated on the record that, to your knowledge, neither you nor Exxon ever lobbied against sanctions, that you were merely seeking information. I have four different lobbying reports totaling millions of dollars as required by the Lobbying Disclosure Act that lists ExxonMobil's lobbying activities on four specific pieces of legislation authorizing sanctions, 
including the Comprehensive Iran Sanctions Accountability and Divestment Act of 2010, the Russian Aggression Prevention Act of 2014, the Ukraine Freedom Support Act of 2014, and the Stand for Ukraine Act. Now, I know you're new to this, but it's pretty clear. My understanding is that when you employ lobbyists who submit lobbying forms under the law, you are taking a position. Is that not correct? Uh, if, if the form clearly indicates whether we were I don't know. I haven't seen the form you're holding in your hand, so I don't know whether it indicates were we lobbying for the sanctions or were we lobbying against the sanctions. I, I know you weren't lobbying for the sanctions. This is where it starts to get uh, enraging for me. And I'm positive there's, there's a, a minute and some left, but Tillerson is trying to cloud the waters, muddy the waters here by saying, well, I don't know what form you have in your hand, but does it say whether we were lobbying for or against? If they were lobbying for sanctions, that would be against the company's own bottom line. It would be against the company's financial well-being. Of course they're not lobbying for sanctions in Russia. That would be a detriment <laughs> to their own interest. Right. So he's, he's being disingenuous here, which makes me wonder, why is he being so shifty? Yeah. What is he hiding? Why is he not being forthcoming with the details that he clearly knows about? Why is he playing games? Absolutely. Uh, but well, the, if the form it says, here, it says specifically, for example, here, specific lobbying issues, Russian aggression prevention of 2014, provisions related to energy. You weren't lobbying for sanctions on energy, were you? I think that's a description of the subject that was discussed. If I, and I haven't seen the form, Senator, so I don't want to be... Well, you here. don't... Let me just edify you for the future. You don't need a lobbying disclosure form to simply seek information and clarification about a bill. That's not lobbying. Lobbying specifically is to promote a view, a position, and whatnot. So that's... I'd ask you, Adam, to have these included in the record. That so objection. there was lobbying here. And I know that Senator Booker asked you about USA Engage, which you said you don't know about. But ExxonMobil is listed on USA Engage, whose whole purpose, and I'm sure that while Exxon is a huge corporation, like the State Department is a very big entity, that you may not know every minutia of what's going on, but you have to generally understand that you're giving direction as to whether or not you want to be lobbying on certain issues or not, you want to be taking positions on certain issues or not. And so just like you told me earlier that, in your world conversation with the president-elect, you didn't discuss Russia. It's a little difficult to think you actually don't know that Exxon was lobbying on these issues of sanctions. Uh, my understanding is those reports are required whether you're lobbying for something or you're lobbying against something. You're, you're still required to report that so you have you, lobbying. So activities. you believe you were paying monies to lobby for sanctions? I don't know. All I know, Senator, is I don't Could recall. you imagine being in a position in which you would have your company and its shareholders pay money to lobby for sanctions that would affect your bottom line? I don't know, Senator. It would okay. depend on the circumstance. <laughs> he's just he's not being honest he's being a fucking liar well and ExxonMobil tweeted after this and they said let's be clear we engage with lawmakers to discuss sanction impacts not whether or not sanctions should be imposed come on it's <laughs> parsing language it's bullshit right well you're discussing with lawmakers whether or not it's going to have a negative impact or a positive impact right. but you're not discussing whether or not they should be imposed right right come on please the other thing is is something that was just alluded to at the end of the clip there is that he went into these hearings telling the senators yeah i ha i haven't actually had a conversation about russia with president-elect trump mm-hmm so Donald Trump nominated this guy to be Secretary of State, having not had a conversation about one of the most important relationships that we will have going forward with another country. That, right. That's outrageous. Like, Why did he nominate this guy? If he didn't dr drill down, no pun intended, and get down to the, the crux of his opinions about foreign policy. Mm-hmm. It makes you, why? Is, is it because of the, the Medal of Friendship? Is it because of his close relationship with Russia? Why? Mm -hmm. If you didn't drill down and find out and unpack the full width and breadth of his opinions about the foreign policy relationship we'd have with Russia, then why the fuck did you nominate him?
Donald Trump. Well, apparently because they feel similarly on the sanction issue, because during that hearing, Tillerson would not commit to supporting the sanctions against right. Russia. And Donald Trump has, has said the same. Ugh. It's disgusting. So, all right. Well, we're moving on. Jeff Sessions, the, the attorney general nominee, longtime senator from Alabama, longtime lawyer, and longtime racist. He did some things that we're not going to cover here, but just to get it on the record for the show and for your ears, he was took part in a systematic method by which they tried to disenfranchise and suppress the vote in Alabama. It was a group of black voter activists that used the same techniques of, of absentee ballot registering as a white group. And the white group not only did not only get, they didn't get punished at all. It was the black group that got uh, punished and prosecuted. And he spearheaded this movement. Why? If the whites don't get even talked to about it and blacks get prosecuted for the same behavior, which he has since apologized about, that's a problem. So, this is also a man who was rejected for confirmation for the for the bench for being a federal judge in 1986 with a Republican Senate. His own party rejected him because why? He was too racist. He was too racist in 1986. That's racist. <laughs> mm-hmm. But apparently... Not too racist in 2016, 2017. Here is an exchange because Jeff Sessions is a evangelical Christian, a nutter, butter, fundamentalist Christian. Here is an exchange about whether secular attorneys, if they have anything to fear working in the Justice Department under his employ. Does a secular attorney have a, anything to fear from an attorney general Sessions in the Department of Justice? Well, no, and I use that word in the 90,000-foot level of um, a little concern I have that we as a nation, I believe, are, are reaching a level in which truth is not sufficiently respected, that the very ideal, the idea of truth is uh, not believed to be real, and that all of life is just a matter of your perspective and my perspective perspective, which I think is contrary to the American heritage. So that's just a kind of a criticism of man. But we are not a theocracy. Nobody should be required to believe anything. I share Thomas Jefferson's words on the memorial over here. I swear eternal hostility over any domination of the mind of man. And I think we should respect people's uh, views and, and, and not demand any kind of religious test for a holding office. And a secular person has just as good a claim to understanding the truth as a person who is religious, correct? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> the clip's not over. There's 30 more seconds. Well. So a secular person has just as much claim to understand the truth as a person of faith. And his answer, uh, well, eh, I'm not so sure about that. He wants to be attorney general. <laughs> of the United States of America. And what method? Is it uh, less a uh, objectively it, committed to... The methods uh, that an attorney would bring to bear. Well, let me just say, um, we're going to treat anybody with different views fairly and objectively. <laughs> and the ideal of truth and trying to achieve the right solution to me is an important goal of the American jurisprudential system. Actually, our legislative system. What is the right thing? What is true? And let's act on it and do the right thing. Well, how are you going to treat everyone fairly when you're asked if everyone has the same access to truth and you scoff at that? Right. When you just said that we're going to treat everybody the same right. to, to get to the truth. Well, if they can't get to the truth, then you can't treat them the same. Right. The other thing is he completely skirted the issue when he asked him directly about it. And he says, well, you know, let's just say this, that we're going to treat everybody fair. Off the hook. Then they moved on. Yeah. Are, are you really? This is how these hearings have been going. Yeah. Where they don't 
bear down. And part of it's just the system, a limitation of the system, that each senator only has so many, so much time. Right. And if you ask a question, you need to be a bulldog because a lot of times the, the, the answerer, the nominee... Will stall. Will fucking stall and filibuster and just talk and talk and talk and eat up the, the questioner's time. Because so, they know your time is slowly counting down. That is exactly right. And especially a sitting senator, yeah. Jeff Sessions, he knows the game. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to move on. we got to get going here. Next up is Ben Carson asked by Sherrod Brown of Ohio about gay people and their individual liberties and rights that should be protected by the federal government. Your statement mentions your desire to prove the lives of all families and communities, quote, no matter their race, creed, color, or orientation, yet you have in the past raised questions about whether LGBTQ people should enjoy the same rights as everyone else. Do you believe that HUD has a duty to take actions that promote equal access to housing opportunities for LGBTQ people? Uh, If confirmed uh, in this position, uh, of course, I would enforce all the laws of the land. And I believe that all Americans, regardless of any of the things that you mentioned, should be protected by the law. Uh, what I have mentioned in the past is the fact that no one gets extra rights. Extra rights means you get to redefine everything for everybody else. Uh, that, to me, doesn't seem to be very that's democratic. That's what we're talking about. But I'm glad to hear you say that moving forward, you will respect that. See, another opportunity missed where he could have said, okay, that's not what we're talking about, but I'd like to hear more about this. Do you think that the question I just asked is a situation where they would be receiving extra rights? I just want to get a confirmation on that. Absolutely, they should have done that. Rather than moving on. Well, here, let's let's define. Let's let Ben Carson, the, the housing and urban development nominee, the secretary for housing and urban development, Uh, let's let him explain in an interview while he was running for president what exactly he means by extra rights. What will you do as president to guarantee that federal funding will not be used to force school districts to require girls to shower with boys? And what else would you do to stem the growing misuse of regulations and testing and funding restrictions by the federal government and restore local control to parents and communities over their children's education? Well, you know, this is such a a, a good example of what happens when the federal government tries to insinuate itself into the day-to-day living of the citizens. This was never supposed to be the case. And again, if you go back and you look at the Constitution, it talks about why these kinds of decisions need to be made at the local or state level. It's because the legislators and the judiciary at the local level are subject to the will of the people. They can be voted in and they can be voted out and therefore they must be sensitive uh, to the values and the, the, the morals of the people in that area. And that's not the case when the feds come and they impose these kinds of things. And you see how silly this is. I mean, it, it's, it's beyond ridiculous that you take the most abnormal situation and then you make everybody else conform to it. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's, that's one of the very reasons that, you know, I have, you know, been an outspoken opponent of things like gay marriage. I don't have any problem with gay people doing anything they want to do. You know, it's a free country. There's freedom of association. However, when you now impose your value system on everybody else (laughs) and change fundamental definitions and principles of society, I have a big problem with that. Everybody is equal. Everybody has equal rights, but nobody gets extra rights. And when we start trying to impose the extra rights based on a few people who perhaps are abnormal, where does that lead? So he believes fundamentally that gay marriage is an extra right. That somehow it affects his marriage to a woman if two men or two women are allowed to marry one another. I got news for you, Ben Carson, and this is an original thought. This is not an original thought. You don't have to marry a dude now 
Nothing has changed for your marriage. Nothing. When are they going to realize that they are the ones imposing their view on other people because people are prevented from doing something? That's right. I don't... Listen, it's the same thing. These are the exact same arguments that were made in the 19... Before the 1950s and 60s about interracial marriage. These are the exact same. In 1950... Ben Carson wouldn't have been allowed legally to marry a white woman in many, many states. So does is he now, I mean, he's married to a black woman, but if he was married to a white woman, would that be an extra right? Yeah, I also, I want to comment on his abnormal, who are perhaps abnormal. Yeah. That little slight at the end there. How is he going to be expected to treat everyone fairly when he believes that a a number of people in the population are abnormal? Right. I mean, he believes that there's something wrong with them. It, and he can act like he doesn't care. Oh, they're free to do whatever they want. I don't care. Uh, but, uh, I'm really open to everything, but they're abnormal. So That is right. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to protect their rights with everything in me. But I'm going to stand wrong for with their them. rights. These abnormal people. Right. Ugh. The sinners. He's a disgusting example. He might be a world-class neurosurgeon, but he's a dick. He also, what what was going on with the the clip previous to the one you just played? Did he have his lips on the microphone? Does he understand how the microphone works? He clearly still does not understand how the microphone. <laughs> you know he's seen <laughs> interviews of himself. I He has to. With yeah. the lip smacking and the, the proximity issue to the microphone. Yeah. He's, he's a goddamn train wreck. That would have been my first question. Mic technique, confirmation hearing, really important <laughs> stuff. Well, next up is still Ben Carson, faced by someone I'm really growing very fond of, and that's Elizabeth Warren, asking him about using his position as the Housing and Urban Development Secretary to steer money toward companies that are owned by Donald Trump, and he won't just say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to enrich the President of the United States, Donald Trump, with my position as Housing and Urban Development Secretary. My concern is whether or not, among the billions of dollars that you will be responsible for handing out in grants and loans, can you just assure us that not one dollar will go to benefit either the president-elect or his family? It will not be my intention to do anything I, to, to benefit any any American. I, Understand that. It's for all Americans, but everything may, that we do. Do I take that to mean that you may manage programs that will significantly benefit the president-elect? You can take it to mean that I will manage things in a way that benefits the American people. That is going to be the goal. Uh, to the best uh, you understand it, that. It, you it, if there happens to be an extraordinarily uh, good program that's working for millions of people, and it turns out that, that, that someone that you're targeting is going to gain, you know, $10 from it. Am I going to say, no, the rest of you Americans can't have it? I think logic and common sense probably would be the best way. Yeah, although we do have a problem here, and I appreciate your good faith in this, and I do, Dr. Carson. The problem is that you can't assure us that HUD money, not of $10 varieties, but of multi-million dollar varieties, will not end up in the president-elect's pockets. And the reason you can't assure us of that is because the president-elect is hiding his family's business interests from you, from me, from the rest of America. And Ben Carson refuses to come out and say, yeah, we're not going to do that. That would be an abject conflict of interest for the president. That would be out of out of step with being in good faith to the American people mm-hmm. and the taxpayers' money. Right. He won't do that because he is a fucking lapdog. And he does whatever Donald Trump says. That after Donald Trump called him a child molester, he's willing to accept appointment to the cabinet. It's amazing. 
unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, next up, we're gonna we're gonna try to get to as many of these as we can. Is Betsy DeVos? First, let's deal with the funny one that's short, and then we'll move on to the others. This is Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut, where Sandy Hook took place, where the the, the monstrosity occurred, where tens of children were gunned down in an elementary school by Adam Lanza. And Chris Murphy is asking, in good faith, he's asking a question about Betsy DeVos and her her opinion about having guns in school, and she can't answer. She can't match the good faith that he's asking the question in with good faith answering the question. She has to, to make a mockery of the tragedy in Sandy Hook by her stupid answer. Um, one final question. Do you think that guns have any place in or around schools? Uh, I think that's best left to locales and states to decide. If if the underlying question is, um, you can't say that you can't say definitively today that guns shouldn't be in schools. Well, I, I will refer back to uh, Senator Enzi and the school that he was talking about in Wapiti, Wyoming. I think probably there, I, I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. If President, if President Trump moves forward with his plan to ban gun-free school zones, will you support that proposal? Um, I will support what the president-elect does. But, Senator, if, if the question is around um, gun violence and uh, the results of that, please know that I, I my heart bleeds and and is uh, broken for those families that have lost any individual due to gun violence. I look forward and- to working with you, but I also look forward to you coming to Connecticut and talking about the role of guns in schools. Listen, we're gonna. I want to de- devote some time to Betsy DeVos because she is maybe more unqualified for her the, the proposed position than Ben Carson. And I want to I want to really get down into this and unpack it. So we're not going to I'm not going to go any further with the clips, but let's talk about this particular clip. We'll 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 follow up and do the rest of these with Al Franken and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and Tim Kaine talking to her next time. But one this is a ridiculous comment because even that school in Wyoming doesn't have a gun for grizzly bear attacks. <laughs> it doesn't have a gun. But secondly, she wants to have policy for the United States of America. She wants schools in Los Angeles, California, and New York City, New York. She wants them to allow guns in school because of the off chance that a grizzly bear might wander onto school grounds in in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. Better safe than sorry, it Jesse is D. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> to say it's ridiculous is a goddamn understatement. Yeah. You don't base national policy on bear attacks in rural America. You idiot. Betsy DeVos didn't go into this on her best foot. Or maybe this is her best foot and she's just an abject failure as a nominee. She's worth $5.1 billion and her family has donated $200 million to the Republican Party. Not to charity. Not to feed veterans, homeless veterans. To a political operation to strip away rights from gays to organizations and also money to organizations like, well, we'll get to this next time, but organizations that want to strip away rights from gays. Mm -hmm. Organizations that fundamentally do believe like Ben Carson that gay marriage is an extra right. That it's not a fundamental right of Americans to marry. We'll get to it next time. Listen, 
I, you guys should be thanking me <laughs> because I have really kept my cool during this episode and in, in life. I guess I don't need to thank you for keeping my cool during the, my life, but it's been, I'm really, I'm holding my tongue a lot. You're even having a hard time saying that you're holding your tongue, but you have been doing a good job. I get headaches because of this bullshit. Yes. These people are unbelievably unqualified for their positions. You know, life is easier when you aren't aware of what's going on. What in the fiddle and fuckhole does Ben Carson know about housing and urban development? Yeah. Well, and we didn't play this clip, but even Betsy DeVos, or however you say DeVos, her name, yeah, DeVos, yeah. when Elizabeth Warren is asking her, do you have experience with federal well, financial aid? We're going to get to it. Have you ever taken out a loan? Yeah, yeah, have nothing. you ever needed a Pell right. Grant? Right. You, 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 haven't, you don't have any personal experience in this area whatsoever. Right. Or conception of it, because you've always been uber insanely wealthy. You right. don't even have an experience to draw from that might butt up against what it, what would what it would be like to right. have to struggle to pay a bill. The most concerning thing about her to me is the constant smiling. Get the smile off your face. Yeah, this is fucking serious, you clown. Yeah, take it seriously. It was very uncomfortable for me to watch. Right. Anyway, listen, we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to be in LA tomorrow. We we're going to be doing a Facebook live thing for some of the day. So go if you if you're not already liking the I doubt it with Dollamore Facebook page. Go do that because we're going to live stream us being down there interviewing people from that page. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you have questions that you'd like us to ask, if you want to interact with us during that video, uh, go do that. We're going to be down there uh, a lot of the day. It's going to be raining its dick off in LA, so it's going to be a bummer, and we'd love for you to join us. Until then, and until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And this has been I Doubt It. I mean, it's not important since you think you're the best part, so. 